from the Winging F1 podcast. I'm Freddie. I'm going to be leading the day today. And I'm joined by Adam and Nigel, who are fellow Miami Grand Prix viewers. Um, guys, how are you doing? Nigel, what's new? What's tricks? How's tricks? How's tricks? How's tricks? Yes. What's How's tricks is a phrase? Is it? What does it mean? How is it? How's it going? How are you? How's it going? I'm good. Uh, you know, you know the question he asked like two seconds before saying how's tricks. Yeah, <laughs> I've got. I've not been sleeping much, and I don't do well when I'm not sleeping. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you for that honest answer. No, um, I'm always honest. Yep, Adam, are you going to just say that you're doing bad as well? No, no, I'm fine, Freddie. I thought you were going to introduce us as following today rather than leading today, but you went in a different direction instead. Well, yeah, well, that's fair well. enough. I just speak. Um, how how well, is your well, what this podcast is for 191 episodes? How is your end of university going, Adam? For all of those who are paying attention, it's oh, still very busy. For those for those who were who tuned in last time and expected it to be any different this time, it is indeed not. But um, yeah, apart from that, it's it's there's job hunting going on. There's there's choices being made or not being made. So yeah, it's all very busy and. It's only, how many days are in May? 31. It's only 24 days until I hand my last thing in. Wow. And in the space of that, there's two two Grand Prix in the start of another one. So that's great. Yeah, that's unhelpful. Um, anyway, let's still with April now, really. Oh, yeah, sure. We can talk about the Miami Grand Prix if you want to. Do you guys want to yes, chat about that? Let's do it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, do. Let's Sorry. do yes. it. Yes. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. If you must. Uh, the race was won by Max Verstappen, even though he started ninth on the grid. Uh, the Red Bull is fast. We know that Max Verstappen is a fast driver who drove a very, very good stint on his opening set of hard tyres in that race. That probably, in my opinion, won in that race. Um, and yeah, it kind of looked like a, a surefire deal from about lap. 15, lap 10. Yeah. Did he, did he win the race Probably to me? 10, to be honest. What about lap yeah. 10? Are you serious? When he was in second and he was still only like three seconds off Perez. Nah, nah. Because well, what I thought would happen was when Perez pitted for his hard tyres, he would slowly take a couple of attempts here and there out yeah. of Verstappen consistently, which, which he did early on. Mm-hmm. And then Verstappen brought it back at a net time loss or tech or net time gain from Perez was zero when the staff appeared. So that was where That's the race enough. was lost for me. And I think it was between lap thirty two and lap forty three when the staff and so both drivers were getting quicker and quicker, but Verstappen was going faster than Perez at that point. And that was really exceptional in terms of time management, balancing the car, not making a mistake, because there was a there was a couple of laps where Perez he lost over half a second in one sector. Uh, he probably went wide or wide or something. Then his tires are dirty for the next few corners and that kind of thing. So I really thought it was a fantastic drive from Verstappen Perez in the position he was in, leading after lap one with his teammate down in tenth actually after the first lap because Verstappen lost out to Bottas. He really should have won, but I think what we saw was the difference between the two drivers in terms of Verstappen is just simply better nine times out of ten. So I think that's what I think that's what we saw. Yes, it was 
kind of inevitable. But I, for me, I quite enjoyed the pure hmm. aspect of two very good drivers, one you know outstanding driver going for it over a whole race. No safety cars, no incidents, no retirements. I don't, I don't even think there was a yellow flag either. So yeah, I quite enjoyed that pure aspect. I'd even argue it was, it was the best race of the season so far. I wouldn't argue that. <laughs> yeah. No, because I, I, I think it was for me. It was similar to Baku, and that it was, um, it was appreciable, but not necessarily massively enjoyable. Hmm. If that makes sense, like you can see all that kind of stuff happening. It's like this is great that he's doing fantastic. He's doing a really good job, and I'm appreciating the performance of it. It's just there's only so much of that that I can then think this is really exciting because I didn't think necessarily. I thought it was impressive and worthy of note and worthy of what you just said of being like a really fantastic stint on the tires well they were 30 to 40 laps old and he was going faster than someone who were 15 20 laps old which is you know a very very big deal but it was just sort of the way it came to that was all kind of like okay cool there's some nice midfield fights in this as well um for wheel to wheel action um but for the most part i thought hmm yeah, take it or leave it. Do you not, do you not think, yeah, I... though, the two Red Bull drivers are pushing every single lap, getting faster and faster, every single corner, every sector, and the smallest of mistakes that we saw with Perez he made a few times, that was what made the difference. And for me, that kind of pure art of motor racing, of pushing the limits, I I, I absolutely love it. I'd, I'd love that more than the kind of dramatic moments. Personally. Well, that's fair. I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I just didn't have that feeling so much with it. Because, I mean, I think this is probably because of the story of the weekend more, is that in every practice session, Perez was half a second off when you really were focusing on the gaps when it definitely got to pit time, pit crunch time for Verstappen when it would have, you know, was sort of supposedly hotting up was when then Perez was just losing time consistently hand over fist. And then that sort of, to me, that didn't become um, really exciting. It, It stayed being impressive, but it made everything more inevitable and less tense in terms of all what's going to happen because for me there was an answer to what was going to happen and that's why yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely I'd, I'd absolutely agree with freddie on that i think like you know it's it's impressive from Verstappen, but it was just really quite clinical i mean you know even the way he got through the grid it was just efficient you know it wasn't kind of hair raising i don't think i mean the double overtake on the claire magnuson was pretty cool but it wasn't like edge of your seat stuff really and that's not his job his job is to win the race and he did but for you know when when you're a neutral watching then it you know that's not i just yeah I, i'm with freddie that it felt pretty predictable from a from a fair way off i mean even in baku then because of the way the drivers were like you know verstappen is a better driver than Perez and it, it always felt like there was a chance or particularly you know for deeper into the race it felt like there was a chance that you know he could turn it around and get back whereas here you know it, we it just seemed quite clear pretty early on that Verstappen was enabled to able to unlock more of the car and yeah just be able to to get those chunks into Perez that he couldn't and you know it, like I say if they'd It'd be, it would have been a lot more exciting if it had been coming down to that last lap catch or the last two laps catch and it had been peaking there. But, you know, the way he came out of the pits about 1.5 seconds behind and then was immediately onto the back of Perez, it there wasn't any jeopardy really for me. For I, just don't think the race. It, I just don't think it was predictable though because on lap 32, Perez got the gap down to 14 seconds. 
he was going much faster. And it was only those 10 laps afterwards where Verstappen picked up the pace. So from that 20 to 32, I, I can't see how anyone could say, oh, yeah, Verstappen's definitely got this because Perez was going faster for a dozen yeah, laps or so. I just think that would have pushed an earlier pit stop from Verstappen, though. And it would have just meant that gap would have been kept as it was to try and get him onto the offset quicker. If mm. I think that I think that makes sense. I feel like yeah, I feel like that Perez mistake then made that even easy easy is the wrong word, because obviously it, you know it's at an intense level, but gave a bit more of a cushion that allowed that to then be even more inevitable because it meant that Verstappen's stints could be extended by a touch because it was a late pit stop for him. But I think if if it had been even more of a threat from Perez, then it would would have just been an earlier pit stop for Verstappen to mean that offset was 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 there when the gap was as good as it could be. Yeah, but it would have been an early pit stop that saved the gap was 14, 13, 12 seconds. You would have had six, seven, eight seconds to catch up. Yeah. Which is a massive difference to 1.5. Yeah, then but I think he would have had longer to do it. That's my point. So that his tyres could wear out towards the end. When yeah, but he would, he would have had longer on those tyres on a lighter car. He only did, what, 10, 11 laps on the, yeah. on the mediums? If he had done 17, he still would have had an offset because Perez did 20-odd laps on those. So mm. there still would have been an offset on it. Well, I guess I just quite enjoyed the pure driving aspect of it. That's cool. Uh, personally, I'm really glad uh, you didn't enjoy it, to be honest. Because no, yeah. I kind of think I know, you, I, I know no, you can't. Not, not, not for that kind of reason, because like, yeah, a lot of races can be really exciting for that kind of reason, and it can be lost. And I think sometimes I can find that kind of race really interesting. And this time, I just, I don't know, the story of the race seemed to be exactly what I thought it was, and it was. It was pre- for me. It was completely predictable instead of unpredictable. Unfortunately, what I'd say is, and I know if you've got a different car, you get a different outcome, different teams. But if you had a different team, say that was Leclerc or Hamilton in Perez's shoes, I don't think we'd be. I don't think you guys would be saying this. And obviously, it yeah, would have probably. been different anyway. Different cars, but it's, I, I think some people are saying this. It's just because it was two Red Bulls out in front. It was just two different teams. But if even if it is just because it's two Red Bulls, I'm not saying this out of any like hatred for Red Bull. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's kind of like there's no jeopardy to it because it's just oh look the rebels are in a one two, and the better driver is doing the the better job. What a surprise! And when you look at it from that perspective, it's not massively exciting. There's not the sort of ball in loads of different courts could go any different way. It's a sort of like oh the the map has been followed exactly as you'd expect it to when one of the drivers was started on hard tires and one of the drivers started on medium tires. If this has become from two different teams where they're definitely duking it out in an entire different way, uh, then maybe that, that, yeah, I think that is more interesting. But when it's two cars that are in the same team that are so obviously faster and the offset of the tyres has become so clear throughout that race, then as you were seeing with people like Hamilton, who was making such a big gain at the end as well, and uh, Hulkenberg, I think, is the other one who was doing moves throughout on the mediums at the end and things like that. It's just kind of like you are seeing lots of differences in this tyre that it's kind of as the race goes on and on, the medium becomes even more and more understandable as a late race tyre than an early race tyre. And it just reinforced, unfortunately. I think, unfortunately, I'm really glad you didn't. I genuinely am really glad you enjoyed it. But um, I feel like, unfortunately, from my side, it's kind of like, that was the case. I mean, I watched the whole race and I was interested in the whole race, but it's just kind of like the fight for the front for me was was pretty much sort of 
It reminded me of the US Grand Prix in 2019. Yeah, Bottas and Alton. Yeah, yeah. but that was a, to me, that was a bit better because they were just very openly fighting with each other. And there was a big open like, oh, we're going to let these two duke it out. Um, And, you know, you could see they all had, they both had a sort of input in the way they were racing with that. And it got a bit tighter. And and to be honest, for the most part, I do think the pace was a bit, a, a bit closer between them through that race. This one just felt like the offset, unfortunately, let it down. Interesting. Mm. I'll say, well, so far, obviously, it's the most underrated race for me. It probably could be the most underrated race of the season, then, from my side, which was good. But, I think for, probably yeah. from your side, yeah, because we're not rating it very highly, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> As I, 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 I did discuss off mic um, earlier when we were having a chat earlier today, that the track did do racing quite well through the midfield, though. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree. Yeah, I just... once, once, it got, once it got out of the early DRS train, which was, I think, from... Bottas downwards, I think it was Hulkenberg, Hamilton, Sonoda, and Albon, not necessarily in that order. Um, and yeah, it kind of at that stage it was a bit like uh oh, this this could not be great, but it did actually break open as as teams pitted and it did break out a bit. And there was, you know, that chance to pass and repass leading up to the, you know, from the back straight, then through um the quick section up to the main straight. So I think from I mean, Kevin Magnuson did that about 30 times, it felt like over the race. But um yeah, the yeah, I, I yeah, he he did. He was um one of the one of my winners in my winners and losers column on TotalMotorsport.com. Yeah. So go and check that out. Don't forget the hyphen between the total and the motorsport. But yeah, it was it it gave some opportunity to you know a, a defend effectively the one asterisk to that was Verstappen with that Red Bull DRS. It was you know it, and again like going through the field, it felt quite clinical from him, which is the other reason I don't think you know it the overtakes he made felt very expected because even though the track was in general able to have some pretty good battles between teams that aren't the closest then for, for that rebel with the DRS, then it was just, just overpowering. Yeah. It. But we did a lot of the overtakes on the brakes. Yeah. I agree. So that's impressive. Mm. On the brakes. I thought the overtakes were that's impressive. impressive. Was it, um, the one on Gasly was really impressive. I thought. To turn 17. Yeah. Where he just sent it really late. He committed to it. And he just, you know, if Gasly hadn't given him the space, or if Gasly, because it was a late move, if Gasly hadn't seen him coming, and he had, he, to be honest, at that point, he had every right to not see him coming, but they both raced really well through there, and Verstappen's on the limit of where he could then give Gasly space. Gasly was giving him space and things like that, and you could just sort of, you could all, you could sort of feel through that move, just the body language of the car, just the sort of tent has hands tensing up and sort of gritting his teeth, going stop, 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 but also don't lock up. At the same time, and I thought, you know, I thought they were very well done in that regard. I'm convincing, Freddie. I can tell. I've got you. I've got... No, I, I, what, <laughs> this is what I mean. Like the overall arc of the race over whatever it was, 57 laps. Yeah, it wasn't for me, but there were bits in the race that were really interesting and quite exciting. And I thought Max for coming through the field was did display some very very good racing. Magnussen's just irritation of Leclerc for nearly 40 laps was fantastic and really well done and just a sign of fantastic driving. Um, some of Russell's moves and some of Hamilton's late moves in the race were genuinely very, very good overtakes and genuinely very good racing. For the most part, there was lots of just really good, clean, fair racing through that race. And that was genuinely really interesting. It's just a shame that most of it was for just positions that were just there, if that makes sense. I think, I think more so for this race, for fans or most fans in this case, uh, they wouldn't have found it that 
exciting or intense. Well, I think the drivers, especially for Stappen, they would have gone, that was proper intense that happened yeah. to nail every single lap, that kind of thing. So for the drivers, they might have got enjoyment from that. That's where I yeah. kind of come from come from with that. But for fans, yeah, maybe. Totally get that. Not so much. But yeah. Anyway, we've had a nice little debate there. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. That's all we've got. That's what it's for, guys. That's why we have a podcast. Um, but that's our kind of thoughts on the 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 lead battle on on Max on Perez. Um, would you say there's anything more Perez could have done apart from just not having made that pretty obvious mistake he did, or do you think the medium tires weren't holding in the way they would have been able to in the first stint anyway? I think he could have managed the medium tires a bit better. I felt like he should have had a. Seven, eight, nine, ten second gap over Alonso rather than only a few seconds, four or five seconds at most. Yeah, I, I think that. that's where he lost the race more than his hard tie. I mean, obviously, his hard tie stick could have been better as well, but I'd say if he had to choose one or the other, it was more the medium stint. He could have opened up the gap when his teammate was uh, coming through through the pack uh, for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. I think it was, and that that's what I mean. Like for me, that was the reason that it was pretty predictable. Was that you know it was he he just didn't he just wasn't attacking that stint so much, and he yeah like you say it was a few second gap. And Verstappen was onto him. Um, by the time he did pit, I think he was within second or second and a half at most. So yeah, I think I think he probably could have done more. I still don't think that would have had a difference at the end of the race because Verstappen took him with ten or eleven laps to go. But I think, um, you know, it would have... This is what I mean, like, you know, if there had been that meeting point within the last five laps or the last three laps, I think that would have been more entertaining. But I think ultimately, whatever Perez did, you know, apart from driving as fast as Max Verstappen, then I think Verstappen would have taken it either way because he was just the better driver. Yeah, I think I think we're all kind of on, on the on the page with that. Um, someone who, who had a bit of a shocker of a weekend, though, was Charles Leclerc. Um, we normally talk about him being the better driver, but Carlos Sainz seemed to have him covered this weekend. He he crashed in Q3 um, after not having had a banker lap because he'd had a lockup. And then, as as mentioned, he was consistently mugged off by Kevin Magnussen in a Haas for a long time um, and was passed by Lewis Hamilton late on in the race as well. It, was, it wasn't necessarily his weekend. Um, is it the Ferrari? Is it Charles getting getting his head down a bit is it a mixture of the two um where do you guys stand on this nigel come to you first well, he... oh sorry Adam, oh, no, i was just going to was just going to jump in he he passed uh, magnuson for the first time on either lap 3 or 4 and then he was still behind him when magnuson pitted on i think lap 38 and it's not it it was just like every single time you know magnuson just seemed to felt like there was a bit of naivety at times when you know he'd go for the overtake on the back straight and then magnuson would just get straight back at him but beyond that it's just like magnuson seemed to race smarter really um i think for leclerc it's just it's just a strange one like it was so different from baku obviously it, it was pretty much flip um you know flip the script from baku between the two ferraris um but ultimately like neither of them had good race pace they both got past near the end of the race um by mercedes so it wasn't i think science still got more out of the car but i think in general it is a it was a ferrari problem that they could have got or it looked like they could get more out of the weekend both you know on the grid before the race and even probably after the first pit stops i think leclerc's crash hurt his confidence quite a lot which is why his race wasn't as as good because in practice he was looking 
like at his very very best, but he's ahead of sides and looking better, I'd say. But equally, the Ferrari lacks rear downforce, just like a lot of the cars and Mercedes as well. So I think that means that the drivers didn't have too much confidence, didn't want, couldn't push too hard in fast corners, and that perhaps contributed to Leclerc's crash as well. So a mixture of both, but I do think Leclerc was kind of. Uh, driving not right on the limit during the races because of his crash before for me. Bit of a nervous day, back end for the yeah, Ferrari exactly. and the Mercedes. Yeah. Whereas a few cars with a bit more of a bit more stability able to cope a bit better. So, so, namely the Alpine yeah. and the Haas, to be honest. Proving yeah. they had some very stable, very workable cars, which will be very good late uh, as we go into the sort of faster sweeps of the season. Um because that's set to one, it feels, even watching it to me, it feels so nervous to cars. It feels like they could slide at any time, then if they do, they'll have, have what luckily happened on, on Saturday. Admittedly, with a very sketchy grip surface there, that was a very green track on Sunday, and it was a very, very green track at the start of the weekend. A resurfaced and then washed track because of a heavy, heavy shower um, overnight from Saturday to Sunday will lead to weird tyre reaction on the on the day of the race because the rubber that's been put down just isn't there, which is um very, which was not going to play into the hands of uh the unstable cars. Um as we saw. I think um I think though as we said that the track did bode well. Do we think that was mostly the shortening of the DRS zones or do we think just there was more opportunity to see it this year? I I think DRS zones. I think it really helped like it it made, like you said, with Verstappen, and then it did. It it pushed a lot of those moves onto the brakes, and then allowed the fight to keep going, like through to the next exit of the main straight, and then it kind of restart all over again and give the chance to repass. So, I think, I think maybe a bit that drivers were more together. But to be honest, I just think yeah, the, the it would it was more battleable. I think it's just a good track. I think I mean it got a lot of criticism last year, didn't it? But I think it's not a bad track at all. It's very. It's not the best, but it's definitely not the worst. It's not. The, it's probably somewhere in in the middle, I'd say, because you can overtake. The cars can follow, in my opinion. There's a lot of talk that they can't this year, but they can. Uh, and I think from turn seventeen, that back straight down towards turn seventeen, then into turn one, that section alone. I know it's only a few corners, but you can pass and repass as we saw loads of times in there. And then you've got this straight down to what's the middle sector. Long straight middle it. sector to the hairpin left that one. So you got so you got a few overtaking opportunities. So I, I think it's just a very an underrated track. I keep using that word underrated in this podcast, but everything about Miami is just underrated. There you go. <laughs> well, um, and there's a lot about Miami that's perfectly rated. Um, <laughs> True. There's probably some that's overrated as well. Maybe yes. possibly. Um, for the most part, I think to be honest, a lot of the weekend has been well received. Um, and a lot of it hasn't been well received. We are going to naturally touch on some of the more the show pieces of it. There's been responses from the drivers to those massive sort of shows they do before the, the race, the driver introductions. Majority sort of saying, well, I'd rather not do it. A few sort of going, well, it's a bit of fun. Um, I think I kind, of, I kind of sit in between it, though it's kind of like it can be a bit of fun when it's done well. It can also be done really badly and can become a bit kind of... Uh, just sort of necessarily loony um but for the most part i'm okay with random things done if they're done well i just feel like this was a bit kind of i don't know you need a bit more 
commitment, if that makes sense. Well, it made me watch. I quite enjoy. I wouldn't like it all season, no way. But a couple of times, just for a bit of entertainment, if yeah. you can call it that. I, I don't mind it personally. Uh, I think it's a laugh. Yeah, exactly. But by commitment, what do you need? What sorry, I mean, what do you mean? From, from like needing more commitment, drivers, I guess. I think because I think the I think the sort of really own it and just have a laugh with it. But I really get why that's really hard to do fifteen minutes before you want to be in a in a high level sport, which I completely understand. Um, especially you when, it was bad. It was better than the twenty seventeen one. I don't know. I really like the twenty seventeen one. I thought the when they had uh, the let's get ready to rumble man do everything, <laughs> he had the voice for it. He just didn't know how to pronounce Kimi Raikkonen or Valtteri Bottas. <laughs> so if he if he done a little bit to you know learn how to say the names, um, I did think that was an interesting baptism of fire for Brendan Hartley in his first ever F one race. But um, <laughs> I think <laughs> that I thought I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, and that worked at the length, at the end of the season when you had a bit going for it, I guess. But I think yeah, I was I'm all right with it. It's just a bit mad. Yeah, it, a lot of that stuff kind of didn't move the needle for me either way. Like it's, I kind of I think like both of you said, I wouldn't want it over the whole season. It was you know it it was an interesting take on um, on this race, but it, you know some of it worked, some of it didn't, didn't, which is a waste of the way. And I think it does in future rather than kind of throwing every celebrity at the wall and seeing what sticks i think if they can maybe focus down on what worked and take away some of what didn't i think i'd be yeah i think that's what i'd like to see from them next year but i don't think you know i they clearly want to make it the biggest f1 party of the season and Mm. that's you know that's going to be miami's thing so if they can do that effectively and grow from this year then i don't mind it yeah and that's fair enough i think there does just necessarily need to be an inclusivity to it, but the most for the most part, Formula One is a television sport, but also it's you know it shouldn't become unaspirational to be there, and I think it's it's very in danger of 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 being entirely like that. And yeah, you've always had that with some events with sort of um, a Monaco or something, but that comes with the nature of Monaco of as a place. The nature of that is that it's where celebrities live. Um, but as long as Formula One can sort of keep a foot on the ground, um, then it then you can kind of allow like 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 Nigel, like you say, sort of every other, like not all the time, but also you've got to be able to then have a decent offering at every op- at every race. And like if some races have a crap fan zone and some races have a really good fan zone, then you just you do have you deserve to be putting races against each other, um. And I think F1 did try and do that a bit, but if then it's just pumping loads of money into some of them that, and then says, do it for some other ones and doesn't give them any money, then it can be a little bit, you can understand why a few circuits would be a little bit irritated at that. And why yeah, F1 is them. very clearly pushing Miami. Like yeah. it's, it's very clearly something it wants to. You can see that through that, you know, the Sky Sports coverage went all out as well for it. Like it is very, I can definitely see from that angle that it's maybe a bit, you know, a bit for the rest of us as well. It depends on how you view it. And I think if there's if there's a lot that's sort of done to, like I say, keep it aspirational, not um ec- not exclusive and what's the word, sort of just bordered it off, bordered off, if that makes sense, then if you can keep it possible, admittedly for a lot of 
people you know it is impossible to fly over around the world but from the side of it where you know ticket prices were probably way a bit too expensive for this weekend and um just sort of boxing people out and not really having too much of an experience to it when you're there apart from unless you have been in a film or if you're really rich then that can that can be you know that can great so i think it just depends on how it's played with lots of other events as well yeah nigel yes, has no I've opinion to that. add because nigel <laughs> doesn't know who a celebrity <laughs> is um <laughs> although i can imagine fast and furious being a movie nigel might actually watch never um, watched it no nope, there we go nope. there's ten. i haven't watched anchorman have i either freddie remember, remember that from two years ago no nope. i think the, the fact that you can specifically remember yeah. the movie you haven't watched because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up on our first birthday podcast because you are like ron burgundy you just put something in front of your face and you would just say it but you don't know you don't get the reference even though it's a very common reference um common yeah it is it is it's on it's featured in our highlights as well for our second birthday so if you don't want to scroll all the way back then you can only scroll a bit of the way back although we might have a birthday we have um we no, we have birthday highlights playlist so if you do want the nigel made a six minute video that sums that shows the best of the winging it 10 minute video which shows the best of the winging f1 podcast so if you do want to see the highlights of that then go watch that it's on youtube it's easy to get to it's on the internet on the internet fernando alonso of course fernando alonso third place again his fifth race weekend in a row where he scored 15 points because of the way the sprint and the back of Grand Prix worked out, meaning he got 15 points like he would for a third place. So he scored 15 points in every race weekend of the year. And... Wouldn't it be amazing if he kept getting third and then Aston Martin caught up in the second half of the season and then he wins the championship? Wouldn't that be brilliant? Yes. That would be amazing. It would be nuts. Be... That would be, Unlike... yeah, that would be... Yes, that's the word I was looking for, Freddie. I would love it. And, you know, he keeps doing what he needs to do and... The, the, his gap to Perez in qualifying, considering Stroll was out in Q1, I know we, that's not the best base level, but considering that there were limitations, um, yeah, he, he did a cracking job. And I think it's definitely, I think like you were saying earlier, Nigel, about the race being really properly intense for the drivers, I think that really showed up between the Aston Martin teammates. Yeah, I agree, because he did it on used tyres as well, I think, the first run in Q3, and he was only, I think, three, four temps away, so it was a great lap. Yes, Perez might not have done the best lap himself, but Alonso, he has been excellent this season. He's, he's pretty much been excellent throughout his career for me, apart from one or, well, one season. Uh, <laughs> but let's, let's not get into that. Uh, and, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he, in the first stint, the way he kind of kept sights in his... Well, Sainz was in his DRS, but it was never close enough to actually mount a challenge for an overtake. So then I think he hurt his tyres from that. And then Sainz pitted first, but Alonso, he didn't lose too much time on the old medium tyres versus Sainz on the hard, uh, new, new hard tyres. So then that was where he kind of secured third place. And then Sainz obviously had his five second time penalty anyway. So it was tactically and obviously. Drivenly, drivenly, that, that's not a word. Drivenly, I'm using it now. Raced. It was raced very well. There we go. <laughs> it was drivenly very well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have just said driven very well. Yeah. What? Yeah, driven well. Just making oh, up bad verbs. Yeah. It was tactically yeah. and driven well. It was tactically 
talented. Ta- it was talented. It was tactical and talented. Yeah. That is Fernando Alonso. <laughs> it's not Lance Stroll. Unfortunately, at least based on out of the points. It was a rough weekend. He qualified 18th and finished 12th. I do think Not he's sure, one, of the, right. one of the drivers to talk about for poor performance of the year for that race weekend, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Well, he didn't crash, did he? Or no. Instantly, it was just a lack of pace. Which I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's worse, actually, than a crash. Sometimes I think, well, I was, yeah, I was about to crash. say, if you can control the car, but you just can't control it fast. Whereas if the car's not working for you, so you're slow, so you might crash it. Arguably, it is a bit better, you could say. Um, which is the the sort of the way we let off Charles Leclerc. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, he is showing at points pretty immense pace. And like you say, through practice, he was doing very well. Um, and yeah, he is, he is, for want of a better word, crash happy, Charles Leclerc. But he's pushing and pacey. Stroll isn't necessarily pacey and he he got a few races this year in the lower end of the points and that's kind of it compared to his teammate that's it you know there are there are points where you've got to really really sort of question it and i know we've questioned lance stroll a lot but don't forget he was injured right coming back back from serious injury so the first two races yeah yeah. that's true no, but this is the thing. He was better in the first two races. Yeah. Like, he came back with no testing in Bahrain and he was not far off the pace, really. Whereas it feels like Alonso's getting into the car and he isn't. Like, it, feel, yeah. it feels like it's moving in the opposite direction. Like, it is, you know, it, it's a rough weekend and we'll need to see how he goes in Imola and then Monaco. But, like, you know, it's not... Tracking I don't... There's not been a race this season right. that's been... Yeah, it's it's. There's not been a race, and then Barcelona coming up after that. There's not been a race this season where there has been anywhere like the gap that there was today. Yeah, I agree. Which is not the best. Um, Nick De Vries is obviously someone we said nearly have a good weekend in Miami. He outqualified his teammate. He did really well to get the AlphaTauri into Q two, and then he threw it all away by just not stopping the car into turn one and kind of ruining his and Lando Norris's races. And being essentially having his head drop since then, where Sonoda was sort of battling with a few people pretty aggressively. So, well, are we sort of on the same place with the defreeze position as we were in Baku? He's, he's beginning to make too many mistakes now, isn't he? Uh, very clumsy at the start into turn one. And you've got to ask if he does it again over the next couple of race weekends, then. Yeah, he's going to struggle. I mean, it's great that he outqualified Sonoda for the first time this year. That's a massive, massive positive. Uh, so he's, I mean, it's sad for him, obviously, isn't it? But he's just got to have a clean weekend where he's close or on par or faster than, than Sonoda. And that hasn't happened yet. The old, Why are you laughing at me? The old, old Albon conundrum. That he was, was what the order would say. Um, he was close to it this weekend. Yeah, well, that's... It down when yeah. it matters. That, that's what I mean. Well, it, that, it, it, it was... It it was more positive, and you know it is ultimately you know him him and De Bru- uh, sorry him and Sonoda both had you know moments. Obviously, Sonoda didn't do as well as he would have hoped in qualifying, but then he was able to come back in it in the race with De Vries. It was kind of the opposite way, where once, like Freddie said, you know it is once he he did very well to get in that position, but once he had that one incident at turn one, then it did 
kind of go out the window a bit. I, I actually do think that is a is a positive, and he can take something out of it because I really think he's going to struggle in Monaco if because it felt like from Baku, then it just felt he's not in touch with the car. And if that's the case, then it's going to be even tougher at Monaco. So he has one more race before that. Um, and that's where there's a bit of positivity coming is that he has taken that first step. So yeah, now if he can channel that again in qualifying, that's maybe a bit of reason. Yeah. Reason for some optimism for Nick De Vries. But then the track where you can hustle the car in qualifying, he showed good pace. So who knows? I mean, there could be positivity going into somewhere like Monaco if he can if he can use that sort of to build up a rhythm through the weekend. Who knows? Um, you sort of have to see because he had the rhythm through this weekend. He had the feel of the car and then he, again, threw it away at turn one rather than just always being off it. So, you're right. There are positives to take from there. And I think, you know, he can they can be applied into the upcoming tracks we have, namely Imola and Monaco, which are... Mm tracks you're going to need to be on it and Anumula being a track Alpha Tauri have gone very well at recent in recent years yes in, yeah. well in the recent years it's been there um, then at least there's a bit of data they can use perhaps who knows I'm not going to hold my breath but we'll have to see <clears throat> um, sorry I was just holding my breath you didn't do a very good job <laughs> Yeah, no, no, was it not? Was it not audible? Well, obviously, it's not audible. I'm holding my breath. On, what am I on? Like, shut up. On um, <laughs> on, on car trips, like family car trips, then we do this game where we like when we went through a tunnel, then we'd like hold our breath, and then we and then we do out. it when like sometimes. Well, no, like you are allowed to breathe. It's breathe. not like a ban on breathing <laughs> until you get out of the tunnel. But um, but then also there are some like London. I used to be a lot better than this. Uh, this actually. Um, but like there are some loot. Like in the central London, you can go tube stop to tube stop with holding your breath. And oh, yeah, make it all the way through until you get to the other. So that's I could do whole lines, mate. Listeners to try tube lines. Oh, tube lines. <laughs> oh, that's good that you clarified. Thank you. Yeah, I thought you meant racing lines. <laughs> oh, I thought different kind of lines. Move on. Um, <laughs> sorry, throwing you in it there. Um, <laughs> another driver, maybe I've got the odd question about now, kind of because it's been a few races. Mercedes. Well, I was going to say Logan Is it Sargent. the sergeant? Yeah. I I actually, I think he's, his year is starting to um, resemble Sonoda's from Sonoda's rookie um, year where he went very well in Bahrain. Both of them went very well in Bahrain in season opener, having come, just come from testing there. So, but after that, it's not, I mean, his, his Saudi Arabian Grand Prix weekend was really one to forget, but this was up there as well, really. It just wasn't. Yeah, like, you know, and there was all the stuff about, you know, him coming home as well. He was able to, like, stay at his house for two nights in the week. Um, but, yeah, yeah it like, it, it, it just wasn't good from Sergeant. Yeah, not much. I mean, Adam said it perfectly. I think that's another comparison. It's an excellent comparison, yeah. actually. I, I mean, it's a very good myself. comparison. Because we were talking about Thank him, you, Nigel. Yeah, his confidence in Thank there. you, Freddie. And, mm. unfortunately, he just hasn't yet. He's shown raw pace at points, mm. like Sonoda did. Sonoda's still on the F1 grid. There's there's still, you know, obviously time for him because he's a rookie and it's race five, but does need to do a bit more now, unfortunately. Um well and I I would uh, I would say on him, it it's like, you know, he has he has come in straight from being a F2 rookie, which is 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 difficult. And I do I said it before the season and then maybe rode back on it a bit after Bahrain, but now kind of more than ever. It, I think 
this season does need to be about learning and, and next season will be, you know, should be where we really evaluate him on, you know, this year. Because he, he could very he could very well be doing another year of F2 this year. Yeah. And then, you know, he'd have pushed that down a year. So the fact that he's stepped up and, you know, it, he's, I feel like he should have bought himself some more time because of that. I agree. And yeah, I love there is, there is a stuff, and I agree. Yeah. Realistically, this is Fernando Alonso's fault anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Everything's Fernando Alonso's fault, isn't it, in your eyes, Rudy? Well, if they'd signed Fernando Alonso very quickly at Alpine up, then there's every chance that the williams Piastri deal could have been... Oh, I thought you Alonso was going to Williams and Sergeant... That oh, Eddie yeah. And Sergeant had to go there. Also because of that. Um, <laughs> definitely. I blame Matt Hardy. Is it Matt, Matt Hardy? Matt Hardy, 1975. Freddie, you'll know this. Taylor Swift, dating. Matt he- That's Matt the he- one. I blame him. Not Matt Hardy. Oh, Is it the WWE wrestler? Matt Hardy. I don't know. I Tom Hardy's an actor. Yes. Mm, and after this, um, we can talk about the hardy performance of the Mercedes drivers in the Miami Grand Prix. Um <laughs> George Russell said that sixth place on the grid flattered them. And looking where Hamilton was and looking at where Russell was in Q2 and Q1 as well anyway, for the most part, he's right. But in the race, it, it, it was deserved, I would say, for both of them to finish where they did. Um, fifth and sixth. No, fifth and seventh. Fourth. Fourth no. and sixth. I had the results in front of me. I can just look at them. Fourth and sixth, yeah, and then Fourth Ferrari were fifth and seventh because they both made latent moves on the Ferrari at the end. I mean, Nigel, you're a bit more down on the Mercedes performance over the weekend, weren't you? Was I? Haven't you I thought I'd put them as a loser. Because um, their qualifying pace was uh, bad. And was uh, earlier, bad. when when Freddie was building up to saying Logan Sargent, then you said Mercedes as someone who's got some questions. Oh, around, yeah. So. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Just I thought it'd be... A bit better, as we said before. The rear downforce is a seems to be a massive weakness for them. Both drivers are really struggling. How to more so the Russells? So I think massive credit to Russell for adapting better to that than Hamilton, I'd say. But then I think the tire wear that they've got, which is still pretty good, just not as good as the Red Bull, because Red Bull is the best in it in all, all, all the areas. I think that paid dividends on Sunday. So it is a case of qualifiers are going to be quite difficult for Mercedes unless their upgrade gives them a lot of time uh, and then the Sundays will be much better for them, I think that's what, what we saw in Miami and then on it's, it's interesting because last year I thought Hamilton was better than Russell overall but this year I'd say Russell's convincing, not convincingly but he has been better than Hamilton and that has surprised me a bit and Miami's kind of underlined that, I think what we saw in Miami sums up Seasons quite well so far for me in terms of Hamilton has just been a bit slower, <laughs> quite quite frankly. In the qualifyings, yeah, mm. definitely in the qualifyings. Um, I think in the races, mm. that then means that Russell's able to be in a better position. But for the most part, their race pace yeah. is pretty, pretty much on point. Um, just because realistically, it's a it's a tenth and a half or something, and that's about it. Mm. And but Russell, yeah. And and you can kind of expect that from someone who's fifteen years younger, fourteen years younger, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Big old gap. Yeah. But from yes. a, from, a, from an athlete's perspective, yeah. you do get those kind of differences, and to have only that deficit is arguably quite good as well. But um, mm. 
for the most part, Mercedes managed the race well, but they had very, very obvious limitations with their car that are worrying for the the next part of the season. They have been pointing to Imola for for forever for their upgrades. Um, do you guys have any hope for that? I have hope, but I always think upgrades, especially from big teams, are always kind of overstated anyway. Uh, for me, because it's it's very rare you see a team suddenly gain half a second or more than that. Uh, it'll be a few tenths at most, I kind of imagine, especially in the budget cap era. So a few tenths, yes, that could put them on par. Well, yeah, it could make them the second best team, perhaps, or they'll definitely be more competitive in in qualifying. But then it's not going to it's not going to massively change their season, I'd say. Yeah, I think the the ceiling of it is that it makes them more competitive with Aston and able to compete with them across the race on a consistent basis. Like, you know, it's not, not going to be getting anywhere near the Red Bull still, but it's kind of, it's been a bit of a circle of Mercedes going, oh, well, got some upgrades coming, wait to Limola, wait, you know, upgrade to Limola, and then it gets very close. And then there's Russell going, you know, ah, well, you know, don't go into, don't get too hyped. They're going to be all right. They're not going to be amazing. And it's kind of this, this circle of like, you know, pointing to the upgrade from a long way off. And then as it gets closer and the fans get more excited, then it's like, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll be all right. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. Like, it'll be a step in the right direction, I imagine. If it's not, then they've got a very big problem. But um, but beyond that, it's, yeah, I, it, I, I, I don't see how it will change too much. Yeah, I mean, they've got a new floor, new front suspension, a new something else quite big, I forgot. So, oh. so these are massive things. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, these are massive things for them, so it has to work and it must bring reforms because if it doesn't, and from everything Total Wolf has been saying the last couple of months about how the car's horrible and uh, I think he's used the word embarrassing or unacceptable at times, then yeah, it could be massive, massive trouble. So it, it, it's got to at least put them in the right direction, and for the drivers, they've got to. Uh, have more confidence with it because at the moment it does seem especially with the rear downforce or the rear of the car that they just can't afford to push the limits of it so i think that's that's where they'll be hoping in nibble that to get some of that back and then they can push on from there yeah i think that's all you can really hope for with that they are uh just behind aston martin in the constructors fight for second um and that really is I think going to consolidate really in Mercedes' direction as the series goes on, as the as the season goes oh, on. Stroll effect. Uh, well, yeah, but also weekends like this don't necessarily help them, where the Aston Martin can just be on it a bit more and a bit more compliant with the with the pace, whereas the Mercedes has to struggle a bit through it. Um, so we'll see how that goes throughout the season, because that's probably, I reckon, come mid-season, going to be the hyped fight. Um, the can Mercedes or Aston Martin get second in the constructors' championship? because we'll be clutching at straws. Um, but expect us to speak about it. Expect that. Um, do you guys have any more any more things to say on the Miami Grand Prix? I feel like we've covered it pretty well. I'm really glad that Nigel enjoyed it more than Adam and I, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't awful. It wasn't bad. It had really good performances. It had some really decent moments. Um, I think that's a decent conclusion from my side. Yeah. I'd, I'd, uh, McLaren would have hoped to be better. They just weren't really at the races oh, at all. Yeah. Um, 
And Alpine, I think we mentioned them earlier, but it is after Rossi blasted them in the media ahead of the Miami Grand Prix, then that was a good rebound really across the whole weekend. They looked a lot better. And I think Gasly felt slightly disappointed that he couldn't hold on to, was it fifth he was running in or sixth he was running in before um, a couple of late overtakes from that. So, yeah, I think um, for those, yeah, two, for the the teams that are now joint for fifth in the construction championship on 14 points two very contrasting weekends there and mclaren will really hope to be better after those upgrades yeah i was really surprised by mclaren because i thought they did quite well in baku and results well results wise are kind of kind of maximize what they got but they showed a lot of potential i'd say there but then in miami it's kind of back down to earth for them so i was very surprised at that and i hope it is a i was gonna say one-off but a one-off from Baku for the from from the big upgrades that that, that they brought there, so yeah, I think they'll be I think they'll be quite puzzled actually. Word of word of pace source because yes, they got a draggy car, but Miami is certainly no draggier than than uh, than Baku. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see when we come to Imola. We will probably do a preview podcast for Imola because it's two weeks time. Until the one sec, let's get the full name for it because it's always a banger. The full name, the. Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italy at Della Emilia Romagna 2023. Oh, what a name for a Grand Prix. I'm sure it's been longer in the past. Oh, they've thrown in Qatar Airways. I think that might be, yeah. Something else. Yeah, I really like the, the juxtaposition of the Qatar Airways with all of the rest of the Italian. Qatar Airways made in Italy. Made in Italy, yeah. <laughs> um, did Qatar even fly to Italy? We'll see. Um, yes. There we go. Probably. Probably they I'd do. I'd imagine so, yeah. I'd imagine so, but I just do think it would be hilarious if they only fly like one service or something to Italy. Italy. <laughs> yeah. Um, nah, Doha's a big hub. But anyway, um, we'll see you for that. We hope you enjoy it. Um, we'll wish Nigel the best of luck in his next adventure, which he can't talk about. Is this Nigel's final appearance on the podcast? Who knows? Either way, here are his highlights. Oh, we don't have any. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I've been lining that up for weeks. Um, thanks very much, everybody. Have a good week, and we'll see you shortly. Au revoir. That was very good. <laughs>